Welcome back to another episode of the Brawn Body Health and Fitness Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Lily Kane, where we're going to be discussing low-carbohydrate diets and dietary-slash-nutrition-type journeys. Lily is a certified health and nutrition life coach and a certified ketogenic nutrition coach. She's been through a lot herself throughout her life and in relation to food and her own journey in nutrition. And she has noticed a lot of benefit since she's come across a low-carbohydrate eating approach. And she's going to share that journey with us today, in addition to how you can get started following a low-carbohydrate eating approach, if you are so inclined. Before we get to this episode, here's a quick word from one of our sponsors. Lily, welcome to the show. Excited to have you on today. Thank you. I'm super excited to chat. This is going to be great. So for people who aren't familiar with you and haven't, you know, seen you on social media and that sort of thing, could you share a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. So my main platform is YouTube. So I would say um, I'm a full-time social media influencer, but I'm mainly on YouTube and um, I'm trying to get into the TikTok game and Instagram, but mostly I make content about how to live your longest, healthiest, best quality life. I try to make videos on reducing stress or workout exercises, but the main focus and the, the content that people mainly come back to me for are for watching videos on recipes or what I eat a day or just meal ideas for a carnivore or keto or a low carb kind of animal-based lifestyle. Um, so that way they can either help with their uh, mental health, weight loss journey, autoimmune conditions, or um, something like that. Right. So you yourself follow kind of a low carb ketogenic kind of diet, so to speak. Is that correct? Right. Yes. And, and it's, it's a, it's a, we can get more into it. It gets a little bit more like layered and, and more, uh, there's all the fancy terminology. I try not to say that I eat a certain kind of diet because um, I know that when you look and you type on, on the internet, what's the definition of the diet? There will be certain, you follow this rule. And I don't really, I just make I work with clients one-on-one -on -one too. So I do individual one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I think that is the most beneficial to be able to like work on a bio-individual personalized diet that's sustainable and works with your work schedule, with your social you know, events and things like that. So um, yeah, I, I say I eat the Lily Kane diet, but I mostly eat, yes, a ketogenic, carnivore, animal-based, low-carb lifestyle. Right. And you made a great point about how all those terms just tend to be kind of jumbled together sometimes. It's like, you know, people think low carb and they think carnivore because you know most people who are low carb eat a lot of animal fats and meats and that sort of thing but I have seen vegetarian and vegan low carb individuals before I don't know what they eat I don't know how they do it I certainly couldn't um, but it is out there it is possible and like you said it is essential to customize someone's nutrition strategy to their lifestyle and this is something that I think a lot of people tend to struggle with, right? You know, depending on their hours, their uh, work hours might not be conducive of intermittent fasting, or you know, the they might not have time to uh, meal prep and put in the time it takes to cook, you know, five or six pounds of beef to last them through the week or something like that. So you really have to make your diet match your uh, lifestyle because that's the only way it's going to be sustainable long term. Right. And if people have kids or if you have a spouse and it's, I mean, when I first started eating this way, I was living in a household where there was tons of chips and crackers and cookies and things like that. So it, it can be really challenging, especially if not everyone in the household's on the same page. Um, but then you got to be okay with not everybody 
doing the same thing as you as well. So that's where I know sometimes to have a lot of people come to me and like, how can I get my spouse to jump on board? Or how can I get my family? They would really be benefit from this. But um, I've had to, even for myself with my friends and family have to kind of detach and say, if they have questions, I'll be there to answer questions, but I can't be there to like force or to like say you're doing it wrong because um, at the end of the day, just lead by example, feel great. And then if people are curious, like, how, how come you feel so great all the time? Um, then they'll just, they'll come your way, but not to ever force or make people feel like they have to do something. Yeah, definitely. So what kind of health changes or health effects I'll say, have you noticed since you've switched over to more of a carnivore, low carb, Lily Kane kind of diet? <laughs> I know you have to really throw all the words out there, but, um, <laughs> for me, how I grew up where I was we were considered a uh, lower class. So I grew up with a lot of top ramen macaroni and cheese, just like frozen, frozen vegetables. And then um, when we just didn't have enough money where I feel like I was kind of in a calorie deficit my whole life. And I was always made fun of for being too skinny, chicken legs, anorexic. And then I went to college and I got to be a part of an all you can eat buffet and gain the freshman 15. And then by the end of my senior year, I had gained 20 pounds since I had started college. Granted, I was pretty happy about it because of the way I guess media or people portray body image it's like you want to have curves or you want to have um but I also was a collegiate track and field athlete for all four years so I had a lot of muscle but then when I moved from college I moved to Hawaii and I was like I'm a I'm a by body image I'm a skinny person so I don't have to work out anymore and my knees are so inflamed and beat up from work uh, from track and field for eight years that I was like I'm never working out again and I can eat donuts and I can eat whatever I want and, I, and I'll be fine and um, then slowly but surely my my weight turned into more from muscle to more fat and then I didn't even realize it and I just kept doing what I was doing and finally met my fiance and I tried telling him let's you know here let's eat paninis and quesadillas and we eat the lily cane diet and he was like didn't want to be the weirdo who was like I don't eat donuts and pizza and chips and so just slowly but surely I started very physically it, it was more obvious that he, he was having reactions to these foods because of uh he's got his own autoimmune condition that he's working on but um, so slowly he was like, I can't keep eating this way. I've got, to, I've, I've done keto pastas and just slowly do it just for this week, not for forever, just temporarily. And so it was really easy for me to wrap my head around that when it was like, okay, this week we're not buying bread. Granted, he was always like, if you want a donut, I'll go drive you to get a donut. If you want pizza, I'll go get pizza, but you know, I'm not going to eat it. But because of that, it kind of made me like, why doesn't he ever need dessert? Why do I always need dessert? Um, and so I just slowly started following his lead, not that I had to, and pretty much immediately without even going keto or anything like that, just by removing some of the sugars and the processed foods, I lost 15 pounds pretty quickly. And then after that, it was mainly my biggest benefit. It would be just having the mental clarity. When you have a lot of sugar in your system, you're going to have the peaks of energy, right? Like, yes, I'm like, exactly like loaded with energy. And then you're going to have the crash. And then maybe for me, I would have, I'd cry more, I'm more emotional, more sensitive, easier to be uh, irritated or irritable. And um, I feel like when you have 
more, especially the processed foods. Like you can't just have one Oreo or you can't, when you're walking by the checkout line, you see all of the Reese's peanut butter cup, cups and Snickers bars. You're like, I want one. And now the, the, for me, the biggest thing is not having sugar cravings and not feeling like I'm being dictated by my food choices because of man-made food science. It's more my decision that I don't actually want it. And I'm not having my legitimate brain chemistry being manipulated, right. By sugar. Right. And that's a great point that I think so many people misunderstand is the food you eat carries out a physiological effect on your body, similar to a medication. And too much of the wrong thing is going to have side effects that you, you know, may or may not pick up on. One of my favorite classic examples, and anyone who's listened to the podcast for a long time will know exactly where I'm going right now, is what I call the ISM shift, insulin, serotonin, and melatonin. 70% of your body's serotonin is produced in your gut, and we secrete insulin, a storage hormone, in response to a high-carb meal or a processed meal or a meal full of things that mimic sugar in our body. Uh, So what people don't talk about, though, is insulin also shuttles serotonin into the brain. And serotonin as a hormone is a precursor to melatonin. So you'll have people who eat these high carb, high sugar kind of diets full of processed foods. And, you know, maybe they have breakfast and, you know, they have to have a cup of coffee to get them kickstarted and get them moving. And then they have lunch, you know, they probably down like a foot long sub or sandwich or hoagie or, you know, whatever the classic American uh, term for uh, sub is where you live. Uh, and that's like the typical lunch food. And then two two thirty comes around in the afternoon, and they feel tired, and they feel slow, and they don't feel sharp, or you know, they don't have that mental clarity. And we we look at the studies, and it seems like people's melatonin level is peaking after these meals because they just got shuttled a ton of serotonin into their brain. So naturally, their brain converts that into melatonin, and they're tired, so they treat it with caffeine. Uh, and you, you know, we look at the root cause of that being a dietary thing and we're not addressing it at that root cause level. And I, I just can't help, but wonder how many healthcare dollars are wasted, how many different diseases are caused just by imbalance of this circadian rhythm that so many people are walking around with, and it can be completely co- uh, prevented by just avoiding the ingredients. Absolutely. You nailed it. <clears throat> and that's a lot of things too, is like, When it comes to diet specifically, I know, I personally believe all disease begins in the gut. So things even like asthma or that, that, that's, they they link asthma in children to after they have an ice cream cone. A lot of times that's like, there's a high stat that that's when it happens. Um, Or if you have yeast infections, acne, eczema, psoriasis, obviously weight gain, insomnia, um, leaky guts, ulcerative colitis, candida, the whole, I mean, the list is forever, right? Where people might think, I have a lot of stress because of work when it might be, I have a lot of stress because I'm not feeding myself the proper nutrition, because if I were to change these kinds of foods, my day at work would be so much less stressful or dealing with the kids, or I can't fall asleep at night. That's just because I have a lot on my mind. Well, maybe if you switched what you were eating, you'd be able to fall asleep because your body now knows, okay, this is, it, it just all goes into itself. So at the end of the day, when people have different things that they think is the reason behind their irritability, just even simple things that they really wouldn't link to diet, 
it really does come down to the food you feel yourself because obviously then you know too about the vagus nerve and the connection with the, the gut brain. So um, a lot of times people put the, the diet to the wayside when I really think that that should be the, the, the ultra focus. Um, I also think prioritizing sleep is really important too, but it's hard to get a good night's sleep if you don't have a good, uh, good diet. It definitely is. And your diet contributes to, you, you've started to hint at it there, uh, the role of systemic inflammation, which when we look at the underlying common factors amongst every single chronic disease, autoimmune disease, systemic inflammation is number one. It's there in obesity. It's there in any autoimmune condition. It's there in diabetics. It's something that we need to do a better job of controlling. But in order to control it, you have to consider the factors that contribute to it. And most people don't look at the dietary factors that contribute to systemic inflammation. Uh, so as we remove, as you've said, the processed foods, the high sugar, the high carbohydrate, the things that cause inflammation in places like the gut lining, uh, I forget exactly what percentage of people right off have a gluten sensitivity, uh, but a lot of people notice benefit after removing gluten. Uh, and it do, you don't even have to have a sensitivity in order to notice that benefit because gluten expands the uh, junctions in your intestinal wall. It turns them from tight junctions that don't allow anything through to gap junctions. So if you eat a lot of gluten, a lot of people will say they just don't feel good afterwards, right? You know, if I go to, uh, we'll say my grandma's house and I down a whole loaf of cinnamon rolls or homemade cinnamon bread or something like that. Yeah, it's delicious, but I'm going to feel terrible for hours and hours afterwards just because of what that does to my gut lining physiologically. And if you don't understand the root causes of these diseases and address them at that root cause level, you will never be able to really claim your power that exists if you develop one of these conditions. You know, conditions, as we mentioned, are not fully debilitating, but you have to know how to treat and manage them. And simply taking the pharmaceutical pills that you're prescribed and not making any kind of lifestyle changes or modification, uh, you know, that, that's never going to get you to that full potential and peak of who you could be, so to speak. Absolutely. And, and, and that becomes like the band-aid approach, right? Let me fix it now. And a lot of times too, especially like we're, we're younger. So a lot of people our age probably are like, I'm invincible. I can eat whatever I want and nothing's going to happen. But literally if you're not growing, you're dying, right? So no matter what food you put in your mouth, I'm not saying people never have to have a soda pop again, but if some, like legitimately every single bite of food you take either is going to foster your health or damage your health. And people are age, but people of all ages, they eat these things without even really recognizing that. And then they don't recognize it until they need to have the assistance or something really severely is going wrong. Because even though someone might look, look healthy on the outside, you know, that doesn't mean that the food's not damaging their inside as well. Definitely. And that, that brings up another great point, right? So many people, like you said, for a while, you were eating less than ideal uh, from a dietary standpoint, but you couldn't even know, like you didn't notice any difference uh, at the time. So it's not something that just, you know, happens one day. It's something that kind of compounds over time and becomes uh, a problem when it becomes a problem. You know, I like to say that, people will come and seek help when they need to seek help. Uh, it's not the kind of thing that people think of as like a preventative thing. It just kind of blows up in their face one day, for lack of a better way to put it. 
Right. They didn't get the insurance and then initially with the eating just properly the whole time. And a lot of times too, I think when people think about eating healthy, there's a lot of different layers to why people don't want to eat healthy, but maybe, maybe it's financial reasons, but really I think that if someone pays the extra money for the, let's say organic or pasture raised or grass fed or just pays for it, not having chips, it will end up paying for itself in the future when they don't have to have an expensive medical bill or they're not getting sick as often. So they don't have to call out from work or it just gives them better performance. So I think that even though it might seem more expensive upfront, it ends up saving money in the end. And then the other reason why people might not want to shift to eating more of a healthy lifestyle is because it's not socially as normal as acceptable, which I think, you know, that can be, I, that can be shifted, but also when people finally start eating more healthy and they're around their friends and family, people don't really care what you eat at the end of the day. We think people are looking at us or judging us, but really, um, they don't care. And if you're especially eating healthier, they will, uh, Maybe they'll make a comment, but mostly it's because they wish that they could also do the same thing or have the willpower. And then maybe another reason why people don't move towards eating healthy is because as much as people might want to argue that they have, oh, I can stop eating chips and sodas and cookies uh, today. The reality is a lot of people are addicted to these foods and um, yeah, it just makes it really challenging to break off of that. And then even if you do break off of it for, let's say, 30 days, giving yourself a challenge, um, it doesn't end up becoming more sustainable because people don't choose to want to have these foods out of their life. It's like they you have to really want it. And because when you go in the grocery store, 98 percent of the foods are going to be cereal boxes and chip aisles and a soda aisle and a microwavable food aisle. It's not, you know, it's not real whole foods you would find out in nature. Um, these are just kind of like in my way where as there's dog food, there's cat food, there's foods that animals eat that is specific to their diet. And a human's diet doesn't is was never, you know, a thousand years ago, goldfish and Oreos. So <laughs> it's tough because I know you're in school too. And like we were talking about my fiance's in school as well. And he'll say that the students will go on their lunch break and then come back and they'll say, I'm so tired from my lunch break. And he'll say, why, what did you eat? And they're the future doctors of the world saying, I just finished eating pop tarts and dry cereal. And it's like, well, no wonder why you're you're not you're tired and you're not going to be able to perform as well. And then if you say, "Hey, well, why don't you remove those and instead have an apple and some steak?" It's it's just so much more difficult than that because it, these foods are so addicting. They are, and being in a graduate school or graduate profession or whatever, uh, it's a high stress kind of situation that you're in. And adding to that stress by adding to your systemic inflammation level and poor diet and not fueling your body properly are not going to do anyone favors. You know, um, a while ago, we had Dr. Stefan Hussey on the podcast, and I'm a huge fan of how he approaches cardiovascular disease and uh, cardiovascular conditions. Uh, he kind of looks at things more as a holistic lifestyle view and uses a uh, low carb approach with a lot of his clients as well. Um, but he was even sharing, you know, when he was in college, he was a vegetarian and he just can't help but wonder if he had the mental clarity he did now, how much more would he have learned when he was in college? If he knew what he knew now and was doing what he was doing now, uh, how much better off would he have been back when he was trying to learn stuff in a stressful state? Um, and he even, his own health story is very interesting. He took a uh, journey to Ireland. That's where he took his first job. And in Ireland, all meats are pasture raised. Uh, there is no feedlot, farm fed, anything. 
Uh, so he was in the grocery store and he walked by a rotisserie chicken and he thought it looked good and smelled good. Uh, again, he was vegetarian at the time, but he decided to buy one because, you know, he, he needs something to eat in Ireland. So he picks one of them, takes it home. He ate the whole dang chicken that night and he went back the next day and bought two more. Um, so it, it just kind of goes to show how, you know, when you have the option to consume high bioavailable, highly nutritious kind of foods, uh, your body is going to want to eat those things. It's going to crave those things. Once you get a little bit of it, you're going to want more and more and more. And the impact that can have on your life is just intangible, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. But how can people go about getting to the point, uh, you said you've worked with a lot of people on their nutrition and you use a low carb keto lily cane approach. Uh, how can people go about figuring out what works for them from a dietary and nutrition standpoint? How can people kind of personalize things and decide, you know what? Yeah, I want to eat this. I don't want to eat that. All right. Um, well, this is where it gets challenging because obviously <laughs> we all have different beliefs. And I think one of the biggest things I've learned about health and nutrition is that people choose to believe whatever they want to believe. So someone might say almonds are the worst food in the world. And this is all the reasons why. And somebody else can go and find you a research study that says, no, almonds are the best food in the world. So um, when it comes to where I would start, I personally I think that there are 7 billion people on the planet, plus all the other ones prior to us. I do think it's possible for people to eat a vegetarian lifestyle or a different kind of lifestyle. Vegan, that's where I get a little bit, it's a little bit more challenging. I would say I would maybe try vegan for like 30 days as a cleanse. But I, I've had a conversation with Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, and she said that the vegan diet would not be a diet. It's more of fasting because you're not giving your body the, the proper nutrition. So with that being said, it, you know, when you do a more vegan lifestyle, you do have to take supplementation and get other, get the other things you're, you're missing. But with a more carnivore or animal-based approach, you can get all the vitamins and minerals your body needs from just doing carnivore. Plus it, there are just uh, easier to digest than vegetables since they don't have all the fiber, which can cause bloating and gas and irritability. And just uh, the vegetables have a numerous, numerous things that they could cause um, problems with. So what I would personally do to start with finding my own personal diet would be to do either 30 days of a lion's diet, which is just ruminant meats and wild meats, water and salt. So that would, that would exclude the eggs, the dairy, just other factors. So I would either do that for 30 days, or I would do a carnivore diet, which would then include poultry and pork and fish and seafood and all animal products. So one of those two, I would start with just for 30 days as a diet. And then after that, I would start changing my approach to it's not a diet anymore. It's a lifestyle. And what can I do to make it sustainable? So once you remove all the factors and compounding variables, you can really see and isolate which food is causing an irritation. So some people find that when they have fruit, if they have diabetes or high blood sugar, they might want to avoid the fruit and the honey. Other people find that when they have fruit, it might cause them to have their mental health issues come back, whether that's OCD, depression, anxiety, or other people they find, if, especially if they're on a weight loss journey, that if they are, they can't just, I have a lot of clients tell me they can't just have one cup of blueberries. It kind of creates a binge eating where they end up having the entire bag of blueberries. And so for some people, they find that they might want to eliminate fruit longer, or they may, may never want to reintroduce it. 
And then same thing with the vegetables. If, if it stimulates a uh, brain fog or leaky gut or ulcerative colitis, things like that, then they might want to remove the vegetables longer. But either way, people end up finding that once they kind of get that base understanding of which foods are going to cause the irritation, they can slowly start reintroducing the foods and find that maybe coffee works for them. Adding seasonings like onion powder or oregano works for them. And then they can slowly start introducing more things. Oh, what about fruits? What about nuts? What about, and then you really have a better understanding of what, what foods work. And then at that point you can make it sustainable and realistic because some people say I have to do this carnivore diet and I have to do it forever. And I really don't agree with that unless you want to, of course, there are people who do it for 30 days, love it, stick to it. And it turns into their lifestyle. But for other people, if they feel like they are restricted, they're limited, they're at a social event, they're at a work event and they can't have an avocado or they can't have something where I really don't think depending again, of course, on someone's condition or what their health goals are. Um, you know, fruits and vegetables in my mind, aren't bad foods. They are completely natural and normal in the, in nature. And it's, we have the stomach and we have the teeth that show that we are supposed to be able to digest those foods. Um, again, there, there are so many reasons as to why people are having these kinds of consequences to having them in their diet, whether that is because of the pollution in the air or the lead in the water, or we're exposed to birth control pills and antibiotics or all sorts of things that have been changing the way that we digest, I, I believe. Um, yeah, so that's where I would start in terms of finding my own personalized diet. Right, I love the approach of kind of reset and then re-add and you're re-adding one at a time. So you can kind of pair that with like a journaling practice or something to note how you're feeling in response to, you know, the foods that you added in. Uh, and I'm sure that's a process that kind of takes a little time because, you know, like, like we said before, you eat something and you don't immediately feel different the first time you eat it. It kind of takes a little time to build up. Um, so I really like that approach. I also really cannot echo your point more about the vegan diet not being sustainable long-term and the many issues that we face when it comes to digesting uh, plants, because vegetables especially have their own built-in defense mechanisms. They don't want to be consumed. That's not how they spread and survive and reproduce. Uh, so we, we kind of have to ask ourselves, you know, that there's all these different health properties to vegetables, but how much of those benefits are we actually getting? And not a whole lot of people look into that. And you mentioned a lot of reasons that we might struggle to digest uh, vegetables and have issues with them. Uh, but one of the other common practices has been uh, fertilization of the soil uh, for a lack of nutrients within it, right? So yep. we have a nutrient depleted soil and we're using uh, unsustainable means, in my opinion, to provide nutrients to it. Uh, I think most U.S. states have approved biosolids at this point, which is literally like waste products from the sewage treatment plants, like human sewage treatment plants. And they're just putting that on the crops in the fields as a fertilizer. Like it's disgusting, but that's the point that we're approaching. Um, and I, I also think, as you said, too, it's important to kind of look at the details with things, right? So just because something says, you know, low carb, look at the ingredients because it might be low carb, but it might be full of canola oil or refined seed oil. And that's not going to do any favors for your health uh, more than, you know, just consuming something processed wood in the first place. Um, and look, look at the vitamin and mineral profiles very specifically too, right? Because a lot of vegetarian and vegan based foods will say on the label, you know, vitamin K. 
And my question then becomes, well, is it vitamin K1 or vitamin K2? Uh, because they're pretty different. You know, most plants tend to have vitamin K1, uh, like leafy greens, whereas most animal foods tend to contain vitamin K2. And vitamin K2 helps to prevent uh, calcium buildup in your arteries. So it reduces your development of atherosclerosis. Uh, and it also helps to maintain calcium and vitamin D balance in your body. So improves bone health, reduces the development of osteoporosis, uh, improves your dental health. And there's been some studies that tie it to uh, re uh, reduced uh, recurrence of liver cancer and increased survival times if you are diagnosed with cancer. Uh, but that's only in animal foods. It's not in the plant foods. But if you just look at vitamin K and take it as, you know, vitamin K is vitamin K, you'll never know that and you'll never know the difference. So I, I definitely cannot echo the points you've made anymore, Lily. It certainly seems like we really need to take our health seriously because a lot of all these uh, small details and small things really add up and compound long-term in the big picture of things. Right. And that's where it, you know, it gets so complicated when it comes to health, because nowadays we see both sides to everything, right? Oh, this cereal has it's loaded in fiber. That's really healthy, but this cereal doesn't, but it's not healthy. And just having to, nobody knows what is right or appropriate anymore, because you would never think we would have a conversation where we're like, vegetables have their cons. Nobody would ever think that vegetables can have bad sides to them. And even when you were talking about putting the sewage on the vegetables, that when it comes to all fruits and vegetables, but they, even if they're organic, unfortunately we can't even trust the organic seal anymore because it can be sprayed with organic hydroponics, organic pesticides, organic herbicides. Um, and so specifically for me, when it comes to like, if I'm going to have fruits and veggies, sure, I can have an avocado from the grocery store. It's not that big of a deal. If it's shipped from another country or things like that, it's not going to kill me, but I personally that's one of the main reasons why I minimize the amount of fruits and vegetables I have is just because I don't see the, I really don't see the amount of vitamins and minerals I'm supposed to be getting from them because there's a, I think there's a stat out there that as soon as you pick a fruit or veggie off the, the tree or the vine that it loses up to 60 to 90% of its nutrition content within 24 hours. Now, I don't know how many of us are going to the grocery store in buying fruit that was down the neighborhood street it's mostly being shipped from another country and when it's shipped from another country they're going to pick it before it's ripe and then they're going to blast it with uh i think it's ethanol gas there's they're blasting it with something so that it ripens right before when it goes into the store and so there's all these different layers to it's coming from another country and it's going to be sprayed and it's going to not have nearly as many vitamins and minerals in it as it was supposed to initially and it's not in season it's not the, it's not something that I would have had access to had somebody not shipped it for, for cross, cross the country. So um, if I buy fruits and vegetables, I really try to do it where it's local and therefore it's going to be in season and therefore it's going to um, have hopefully not as many sprayed things on it. And on top of that, hopefully it will have some sort of nutritional value to it for me um, when it's at the local grocery stores. That's great advice, Lily. You're, you're full of good advice, really. Uh, so what has been kind of like, as we start to close out here, what's the most important thing that you want people to take away about their health and uh, fitness in general? Ooh, there's a lot, but I would say that I, ironically, I would not listen to people on the internet. I mean, I would, but I would never try to match them and copy them and do exactly what they're doing because 
specifically if people follow me, I'm trying to gain muscle. I'm trying to build, you know, other people are trying to lose weight and then people have misinformation. I don't have all the answers. I just try to grow and learn each day and learn something new. So when it comes to following other people or listening to what other people have to say, I would uh, try it maybe, but not take it as the holy grail. Like this is the answer because a lot of times um, we get misled. My fiance did fruitarian, vegetarian, vegan, pescatarian, Mediterranean, he tried it all and it ended up causing more health consequences for him. So now when I say, when he's heard about carnivore, I was like, there's the answer. And he was like, I'm not saying this is the answer because I've gone through this so many times where it's hard to trust what's truth anymore. Unfortunately, I wish that there was just like the magic pill or the answer or somebody who we knew who we could trust. But at the end of the day, you know, I would say just use some common sense and see what, what legitimately makes sense. When I look back at evolution, we're humans eating goldfish, no, we're humans eating uh, tons of gluten. No. <laughs> so, uh, just using, taking, doing what is best for me and not worrying about what other people think, but wanting to, but having fun too, because health does not mean it doesn't have to be complicated, even though it is, but it also, um, should be fun. And it feels really good to feel really good. And I want, I wake up every morning excited for the day and I wish that for everybody. Definitely. That's great advice, Lily. Now, uh, for people who want to uh, stay in touch with you and kind of follow what you're doing. Uh, where can people find you? You can find me on YouTube. The channel is called Lily Kane on Instagram, Lily Kane underscore YouTube on TikTok, Lily Kane underscore YouTube on Facebook, Lily Kane. And I do have a website where if people are want to sign up for my newsletter, I send a free newsletter out three times a week, uh, three times a month, where it just brings more motivation, inspiration. I take some of the questions I've been getting throughout the week and I answer those questions and do some behind the scenes video clips. But then I also have a website where you can book a coaching call if you're looking to talk to somebody one on one. Right. And you also have an Etsy store, I believe, too. Is that correct? Yes. If people want to get some swag. <laughs> and, and now I got to ask, because I did pull up your YouTube channel. And for people who aren't familiar with the kind of content you put out, it's very similar to what we've talked about uh, in this episode. But I have to ask, what was the outcome of you, you did a 30 day challenge where you washed your hair with egg yolks? What, what was the outcome of that? <laughs> It really didn't do anything different. I was thinking maybe, you know, people might do it because they think it's going to make it shinier or softer. I was doing it because I've been having an itchy scalp. Um, and so I was thinking it would help with that. But it, may, it mostly just cooked eggs in my hair and made me smell like an egghead. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, that's the kind of stuff that it's beneficial, I think, to watch someone else do it and find out if it works or not uh, before you just jump into scrambling up 20 or 30 eggs and using that as shampoo for the week. Exactly. Yes. Awesome. Well, Lily, this has been an awesome episode where we've kind of broke down so many different things relating to health and nutrition. Uh, really thankful for your time and really appreciate you coming on the show. Well, thank you. This has been really great. You asked awesome questions. Keep doing what you're doing and spreading the word of just getting information people and then they can decide. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. That way you don't miss out on any of our upcoming episodes. Also, make sure that you share this episode with a friend who you think would enjoy the content that we shared in it. Last, make sure you leave a review on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on social media at Brawn Body. That way you make sure you stay up to date with all the latest and greatest stuff that we're doing. Thanks again for listening.